Loaded sport. Does he sit second, man? No, I don't I think he does. I think Kevin Keegan probably sits second. Oh, God, <laughs> what a scandal. Austin Eckler versus the cards. Go and fuck the lot of you. <laughs> Tom Naylor's going to be the nailed on holding midfielder, so it's just too good. Unbelievable. Hello, and welcome to episode 63 of Loaded Sport. This is a different voice you're hearing today, completely different to what you've heard before on hosting duties. Technical difficulties with Dawson means that he's unable to join us tonight, and Adam is away enjoying the time of his life in Skegness. Bless his little heart. So it's myself and Sam, a two-man power trip, as it were. Uh, we're taking over the show and we're going to deliver a bumper episode of Loaded Sport for you today. Like I say, episode 63, we're going to be talking Premier League, the return of the Premier League this last weekend. We're going to be talking about controversial VAR decisions and a bit of a trip to Kempi's Combat Corner. Sam, how are we doing? Yeah, good, mate. This is a bit weird, isn't it? Not quite it's used to it. It's a bit different. It's a bit it's different, mate. Yeah. It's a bit Very different, different, but I like it. I like yeah. it. It's, yeah, it's neat. Uh, it's nice. It's nice. It's uh, yeah. It's like one of them uh, little intimate atmospheres, isn't it? It's lovely. Intimate is the word. It intimate is the word. Is the word. It's and good. I don't know if you've noticed the shirt I'm uh, wearing today. I'm going to take uh, on behalf of Dawson's role of wearing a random football shirt. So I've gone with the 2013 Bayern Munich top with the uh, Bastian Schweinsteiger on the back. So little shout out to skin there, just uh, keeping mm. the tradition going. I've got I've got me at little. Uh, little niche on me out, so I'll keep that, so I'll, the shirt's for him tonight. That's it, good, good. Well, in, in shirt in honour of uh, of Dawson, hat in honour of you, and um, yeah, in honour of Ag, I don't really know what to say in that one, you've not got a massive bowl of chips somewhere you can start scranning no. on, have you? Just, uh, looking, well, never just mind. looking around, I've got this, uh, I've got this stuffed dog, this stuffed dog, yeah, that'll... <laughs> that'll do, that'll do, that's usually Ag's <laughs> haircut most of the time, so, so there you go. Um, cool, so, you've got that I don't know who he's talking about. Anyway, let's let's move on to the football section. Let's start the podcast. So, um, football, as we mentioned, the start of the Premier League season this last weekend, Sam. Uh, started off with Friday night, Burnley against Manchester City at Turf Moor. Vincent Company, the former captain of Manchester City, leading Burnley against Manchester City in that game. Sam, 3-0 to City in the end, fairly comfortable. What did you think to Burnley City's performance just very quickly before we move on to the main, main subjects of the, uh, did- of the night? I didn't watch it, mate. No, I didn't watch it at all. It was um, Friday night. I can't remember. I think it's my shopping night in it Friday. So quite a boring Friday night for me. Kept an eye on the results. Seeing that uh, Haaland's uh, as good as ever. Um, yeah, it's um, it's what we all kind of... Well, I suppose, I'm going to say it's, it's what we all kind of expect. The City are normally slow burners, aren't they? So I think the fact that they've hit the ground running, um, I think that probably puts the fucking fear of death in most Premier League teams, especially looking at the likes of United, who started off as, as slow as they did, grinding out a win. But there we go. I didn't watch it, so I can't can't say. Did, did you watch it at all? I did, yeah. To be fair, I'm, I've been very, very excited about the return of the football season, of the Premier League season specifically. I don't know why, because I'm a Sheffield United fan, glutton for punishment. Uh, but I did watch it. Burnley looked very impressive um, to say that they lost 3-0. Just like that cutting edge a little bit, and City really, really strong at the back, as you'd expect, um, and Haaland doing what Haaland does. So, yeah, like you say, unexpected, but I think Burnley can be uh, encouraged by some of the uh, some of the play that the, um, some of the patterns of play and some of the possession they had on Friday, because they did okay. Um Another team that's doing pretty okay at the minute, Sam, Chelsea. Uh, they, they started the campaign with a 1-1 draw at home to Liverpool, which might not sound like the best result in the world, but new squad, new team, new new manager, fairly new owners still. Um, they, they got that 1-1 draw against Liverpool and, and they've been... They've been poaching quite a few players from Liverpool as well. We've, we've initially had Moise Calcedo, who allegedly um, was close to agreeing terms with Liverpool. And then so, sort of averted his gaze and, and went to Chelsea. And, and as if that weren't bad enough, uh, we've heard about Lavia, Roman Lavia deja from vu. Southampton. Deja, deja, vu. Vu, deja vu all over again. A couple of days later, you've got Roman Lavia from uh, Southampton. Liverpool have been chasing him all transfer window. And like the vulture from Brooklyn 99, Chelsea have just swooped in at the last minute <laughs> and, um, and took him off the hands. So I suppose the main question as it pertains to this conversation is, why does it seem that these players and these two players in particular are choosing Chelsea over Liverpool? It's a it is a difficult question. Liverpool have obviously got the history; they're probably the bigger club on paper. Um, but then on the on the flip side of that, it's choosing the the capital of England, isn't it? I mean, London's a very desirable place compared to Liverpool. These foreign players, it tends to be a little bit warmer down down in the south. So. 
that's probably going to have a long way to do it. And the fact that that uh, little bit of thing called uh, spending power that Chelsea have, that they could pretty much throw the book at them in regards to the checkbook. So, yeah, I think that's that's definitely got a lot to do with it. it it's quite baffling. I don't think I've really ever seen anything like back-to-back happening, whereas one player looks all set to sign for another and he's gone to the same club as the other player has just had. So it, it is quite a strange situation. But in regards to the game, I thought it was a really good game, actually, the Liverpool-Chelsea game. Um yeah, it's uh, it was it was uh, quite intense throughout the old old game. A <clears throat> couple of VAR goals rolled out, I think, for for offside. Um, but yeah, on the whole, thought thought the game itself were actually a really good game. Uh, Chelsea, <clears throat> brand brand new squad, centre of gel together really well. That Enzo Fernandez looks absolutely unbelievable. Did you uh, did you manage to catch any of the game? Uh, I didn't. I was out actually playing football myself, but I did see the highlights of it. And uh, yeah, um, I think when they signed um, the, the young lad, he, he was fresh off the World Cup, weren't it? And he had a really good performance at the World Cup, which kind of prompted them to sign him. Um, and the back end of the season, like every other Chelsea player, he didn't really do much. But yeah, watching that game, he just he ran the show. And you think him with Caicedo next to him and Lavia behind him, you know, once they start getting going, I'm sure Chelsea are going to be a bit of a force in that midfield. So um, it's an interesting discussion to have about how Chelsea are going to do this season and also how Liverpool are going to do this season when when you take into account the players that they've poached. I think what you've got to look at, and it's quite a clever way of doing it by Todd Bowley and his merry men, is that you look at who's probably had the best transfer history in the past few years in terms of getting good players in that have done really well. It's probably Liverpool. Um, so yeah. what he's doing is he's decided instead of going on his own scouts and his own director of football, he's just going to wait to see Liverpool are linked with him and sign them for, <laughs> for more money at the last Safe minute. It business. seems like a, a good strategy to me. But you mentioned there the weather and, and, and the capital. And I think the capital definitely takes takes it into account when players are looking to potentially sign for a club. But what confuses me a little bit is that, you know, Liverpool in the last few years, I'd say overall have been more successful than Chelsea in the in the last sort of 10 years or so in recent history. Yes, they've both got one Champions League t- to the name, um, but, you know, Liverpool winning that Premier League title as well. I think they've won a, a more domestic trophies at the same time, you know, last season or the season before, I think it was, you know, the people talk about the quad being on. So it's, it's an interesting one. I think it in the end comes down to money. To be honest with you, I think it wouldn't surprise me if you know Chelsea's representatives rang both of the the guys and said, "How much are Liverpool offering to pay you?" Okay, we'll pay you extra fifty grand a week more or something like that. Um, I think for me that's what it comes down to. I think if the same money was being offered from Liverpool as it is Chelsea, I think they'd make that decision because you know money makes the world go round, and that's why we see people going across to Saudi Arabia. So that's my two penneth on it. I don't think it's really that deep. I don't think people are looking at Chelsea as a better prospect than Liverpool. I think they're just looking at it money wise, Sam. I don't know if that's fair to say or. I think, yeah, I think, yeah, nail on head. That's probably what I'd say. Just just all answer finance at the end of the day, as is pretty much everything in football these days. Yeah, well, you mentioned there, I hit the nail on the head, which is good. Don't often do that, and that's and that's good. But somebody else that got nailed on the head was uh, a Wolves Wolves player in the last minute of their game against Man United. Segway, segway, segway. Smooth segue indeed, and we do what we can on Loaded Sport to get ourselves to that position, but there we are. Um, a difficult position Manchester United found themselves in, or potentially found themselves in, with a last-minute penalty, potentially being awarded to Wolverhampton Wanderers, that wasn't given. And Andre Onana, bless his heart, he had a good game, stopped a few shots, his distribution looked pretty good, but Sam, he clattered that Wolves player in the last minute. How the <laughs> hell did they not get a penalty? Unbelievable, absolutely unbelievable. It was one of them moments where you could see it happen in real time. You think, bloody hell, you know, that, that's uh, we're gonna have to have a look, another look at that on second glance. It looked even worse. So, I, I don't quite know the logic on the uh, the video assistant referee not, not giving that one, but there we go. Um, yeah, really hard done to by Wolves. The Wolves were by far the better team for me. Thought United were. Pretty poor. Um, Casemiro was getting dominated in that midfield. It just had to get him against the entire Wolves midfield. Uh, Mount pressing high as he always does, which left him completely exposed in midfield. Um, so yeah, I think United have got a lot of a lot of looking in the mirror because Saturday early kick, well it's late kickoff, isn't it? Saturday late kickoff, they've got Spurs, so uh, these fixtures are going to start coming thick, thick and thick and fast for them, and they're going to get found out very quickly. So I think if they're going to perform like they did against Wolves, I think it's. Um, I honestly think they could get beat about four 0 if it's um, if if they play the exact same as they did at Old Trafford in um, on Monday night. 
Yeah, and you're absolutely right in terms of the performance. You know, most definitely a really, really bad performance. I think the difference is is that United had a couple of bad performances to start the season last year and they ended up with no points and I think about 10 goals conceded or nine goals conceded. So the difference is, Sam, is that they got three points out of it and mm. by Oko, by, by Crook, they won the game. They should have had a penalty conceded in the last minute, but apart from that, for whatever reason, whether it be Wolves bad finishing or United last ditch defending, they got three points. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters, isn't it? I suppose. So um, it's, it's all that matters, but it, that's it, they, they rode the luck, didn't they? Not every they're they not did. every day. They're not every day you're going to get that VAR decision. Nine times out of ten, that's going to be given a penalty. Um, they're not, they're not going to play Wolves every week. Who can't finish the fucking dinner because Wolves last season were one of the worst scoring teams in the league. You you put a, a you know a prolific side in front of you, and you're going to be conceding at least two goals on that Monday night. So. For me, yeah, they did escape with three points. Yes, it is an improvement compared to last season, but it weren't the fact that it was a gritty, grinding performance where we were battling nil-nil and not much in it and they've gone and nicked a goal. It weren't that. They were really lucky to come out with a clean sheet. So I, mm. I don't think I don't think it's a massive improvement on last season other than the fact that it's purely three points. There were, there were no grit about that performance whatsoever for me. Yeah, no, you are absolutely right. And, and again, what I mean by that is, yes, it was a really bad performance I completely agree with you they can't take anything out of that performance apart from the three points there's nothing positive they can look yeah. at out of that performance in my opinion however what they can do is take that and say right okay really bad performance we've had a really shocking start right now we need to really knuckle down and get going like they did last season because after those two bad performances at the start of last season they ended up finishing third and, and won a domestic trophy as well which I'm sure all Man United fans would have took last season so United are traditionally slow starters um I don't think they need to be, you know, I've heard a lot of people saying today they're in trouble. They're in trouble. They're not in trouble. You know, they've no. had a really bad performance against a side that has tipped to go down. But let's not take anything away from Wolves. They were fantastic. And I think they surprised everybody on the night. So a lot for United to do, but I don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility for them to do it. Um, another team who's got a lot to do, Sam, I really hate to do this to you because you seem like you're in a really good mood. Uh, <laughs> Derby go County, mate. I'm just going to skip over Sheffield United while we're talking about Prem, but go on. Well, then. Let's, well let's do it. okay, all right, okay. I'll tell you what. Then we'll circle back. We'll circle <laughs> back, and we'll talk very, very, very quickly about the rest of the Premier League. You're forcing me to do it, aren't you? You're putting me through the torture. I don't blame you. Um, yeah, you, you've got Sheffield United losing at home against Crystal Palace. Uh, a defensively pretty gritty performance from Sheffield United. A couple of goals disallowed. Road, I look at that point, but do you know what? I think actually overall a one nil defeat is not too bad to say that we sold our, our best striker and our best midfielder in the past two weeks. Um, Gustavo Hamer's joined the club as has Tom Davis from, uh, from Everton on a free earlier today. I'm not sure about that signing, but we'll see where we go. Um, and allegedly made a, an offer for Cameron Archer as well, which initially has been knocked back. Um, and we're looking at pre-row from, from Swansea as a replacement. If we don't no, get no, Archer, no, no. Um, apparently had a good season last season. So uh, fingers crossed for that one. Um, as we've then mentioned as well is we've, we had um, on Sunday uh, Chelsea and Liverpool battling to a 1-1 draw. Brentford and Spurs on Sunday also drawing 2-2. Newcastle on Saturday, Sam, battering Aston Villa 5-1. Who saw mm. that one coming? They look really, really dangerous. And uh, yeah, I think without the Champions League this season, they might be able to have a, a decent run at the top two perhaps. But that Champions League, all those fixtures, mate, might just might just do them up yeah, this morning. Tough ask, tough ask. Um, tell you what, though, this weekend's fixture, I think it's another Saturday late kickoff. Man City, Newcastle, that's absolutely tasty. mouth-watering. Cannot wait tasty. for that one. It is tasty. I'm looking forward to that one very much. And uh, yeah, I'm sure West Ham fans will be cautiously optimistic and potentially looking forward to the start of their season. They drew 1-1 away at Bournemouth, but there's still obviously business for them to do. Uh, Brighton beating Luton Town fairly comfortably 4-1 and Arsenal beating Nottingham Forest by two goals to one in the early kickoff. And Arsenal didn't look amazing themselves, Sam, to be honest, I don't think. I think they lacked, lacked ideas. I don't know if you saw the game, but yeah, they... Uh, they struggled a little bit, in my opinion, and I think it might. I don't think it's going to be as as easy as you know a lot of Arsenal fans are thinking with the signings they've made, especially with Timber being out because of a, a cruciate ligament injury now. Huge loss, huge loss mm. that is. Yeah, I watched. I watched probably the last twenty minutes or so of that game, and Forest looked good as much as I it absolutely pains every bone in my body to say that. Um, soon as they brought on Alanga and the um, and the other guy that that finished their top scorer last season, I can't think of his name. I think he's got about 12 goals last season. Soon they brought them pair on. They just look completely different on that counter-attack. Bags of pace. Um, Arsenal getting caught out all the time. And yeah, I think that Alanga's probably going to be a good signing for Forrest in, in the long run. But 
yeah, Arsenal looked suspect at the back as they did last season without um, when when um, who, who was it got injured? I can't. It's completely um, last season Saliba. Saliba. When Saliba got injured, they were completely suspect. It just looked same again. Um, and now they've obviously lost Tim before. It looks like could potentially be the year as well than ACL. So not not good for Arsenal. They've got the three points, but uh, yeah, definitely more questions than answers. I think with that first one. Yeah, no, he's definitely going to be out till 2024 and Arsenal have got some soul-searching to do, most definitely. Touched on it earlier, Nottingham Forest, as you mentioned, looked pretty good in the second half towards the end of the game against Arsenal. Host Sheffield United at quarter to eight on Friday, the 18th of August. I am going to the city ground. Loader Sport will have boots on the ground in the away end for Sheffield United. Hoping be and fucking wreck to... place. Yeah, I'm just hoping we, we sneak away with a point, mate, but I can't see it personally. We've then got uh, a few games on Saturday as well. As Sam's just mentioned, there's a, there's a bit of a sexy lineup going on. Liverpool against Bournemouth at three o'clock, as Wolves against Brighton also. Fulham versus Brentford at home, what, what Fulham her fans will hopefully see as a winnable fixture. Um, but then we've got Tottenham versus Manchester United at half past five. And then as you say there, Sam... Manchester City at home against Newcastle at eight o'clock. That Saturday is going to be a super Saturday if I've ever heard of one before. We've then got Sunday where Aston Villa host Everton and looking to get back to winning ways after that drubbing at St. James's Park. Uh, West Ham United against Chelsea at 4.30 on the 20th of August. And then the Monday night football returns with Crystal Palace at home against Arsenal. So we've gone through the Premier League. We've discussed that. Now now I'm dragging you into the pits of despair. Derby County have had an absolute shocking start to the season, Sam. What the fuck is going on? To my predicted league winners, what's happening? I know, mate. I know. This is the very reason why I was very sceptical on picking them, not even for the promotion side. It was a brand new team that's just not gelling together well at all. First game of the season, obviously, we lost to Wigan. Um, we lost in the midweek to Blackpool in the cup, which I said I didn't mind at the time. I still don't particularly mind. Um, then it looked like we maybe have turned a bit of a corner when we put three past um, three past uh, Burton in the in the weekend, and then midweek yesterday just gone. We uh, we lost two one at home to Oxford, and uh, I don't I don't even know what, how we scored. I, I, we we looked that bad. I, I I must admit, I turned it off on 88 minutes and I, I just missed the the waggle and goal. So it was 2 0 when I turned it off. I'd had enough. Um, really bad start, really bad. The, the new formation isn't working. They're playing three at the back, 3 5 2, which every man and his dog seems to be in love with these days. Um, we haven't got the good good enough wing backs to go up and down and support. We've got uh, Craig Forsyth, who is a solid enough League One player, but he's, he's not got the. It's not got the ability going forward, really, to to justify that spot. We're three at the back. We've just signed Sonny Bradley from a promotion push in Luton, who are their captain. And I can't believe that. He's, he's been fucking horrendous. He's been absolutely horrendous. He's made some absolute owlers that's led to goals. Yesterday, got away with one, which should have been a penalty, clearly pulling back one of the uh, the Oxford strikers. And I don't know how it wasn't given, to be honest. VAR, if there was in VAR involved, it wouldn't have stood a chance. And, and then going forward, playing Nathaniel Mendes Lang as a striker, which has never been a striker in his life, as you'll know, obviously, from his time at Sheffield United, he's all about pace. He's a good winger and he's a really good League One winger. I will, I will game that. But but up front, he just looks lost. He's not got that pace where, where he can really stretch the team. He's got to be a bit technical, got to hold the ball up, and he just hasn't got that ability at all. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a bit, a, bit, a bit doom and gloom to start the season with Derby. That three points... Might have glossed over some things away at um, away at Burton, but yeah, it's been a really poor start performance-wise. Even when we beat Burton three 0 you look at the stats; it's three nil, one hundred percent flattered us. If we'd have won one nil, you'd have probably thought fair enough. We've we took a took three points, but the fact we won three nil, I don't know where we put them three goals from. I don't know if it's just me being negative, but I, I did check Twitter before I come on here, and most Derby fans are saying the same thing that it's a poor, poor start. A lot of people are asking for Warney being out already, which I'm not quite sure. It's a bit bit too early for that to be uh, pulling the trigger this early in the season, but yeah, it's um, it's not the not been the ideal start, especially as as you say, there was actually the favourites to win the trophy going into the season, which I'm very glad I picked Bolton right now. Yeah, and I think a lot of other people that have probably picked Bolton are feeling the same way. Um, I'm just looking at your um, game from last night, Oxford United at home. You mentioned that the, the, the same game that we went to at the start yep. of last season for yep. Derby County, where they won 1-0 and looked pretty good. Um, but but they lost last night 2-1. Uh, 
Um, two goals from Harris for Oxford United, I believe it was. Yeah, then, he looked then, good. He looked good. We should fucking try and sign him. We need a, we <laughs> well, need a striker. Well, that, well, that's what that sort of brings me on to what I was what I was going to ask you. So, obviously, Waghorn getting a, 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 a consolation. It turned out to be in the 88th minute. But I'm looking at your stats. You had 54% possession against Oxford's 46. Your XG, your expected goals, and a lot of people aren't quite fond of this stat, but I'm sort of... I like it. I I'm like coming it. round to it. I'm coming round to it. You got 0.89 as opposed to Oxford's 0. 0.80. So from a 0. 0.8, they got two goals, did Oxford. And you had 11 shots with four on target. Now, can you look at that and think if you'd got a competent striker up top, you could have potentially got something from that game. Is that the only missing piece, or or does it go no. does it go deeper than no. that for Derby it's, County it's, at the minute? It's, it, I did think that probably after the Wigan game, the first game of the season. I one hundred percent would have said that because we had a, we had most of the ball. We had thought we were the better team. We just couldn't finish, and then that it cost us. In the end, they had two chances and scored essentially. Um, but no, there's 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 some serious work that Warren's got to do here. That 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 defense. I know they've got three slash five at the back. Whenever they're obviously defending the, the wing backs, drop into full backs. But they just there's so many so many gaps down the side of the flanks between the the wing backs and the and the, the two outside centre halves. That channel is just that's that's where they got that first goal from. Um, and a striker is definitely going to help. Um, but I, I can't think of any real clear-cut chances yesterday that we had where I'm thinking, God, if we had a striker, we, we would be right up in this game because it just weren't that sort of game. I think Oxford were the better side, despite having slightly less possession. They were the better team. They deserved it. Yeah, no, fair enough, fair enough. And, and you get what you deserve in football and it looks as though Derby thoroughly deserve to lose, unfortunately, for them. So uh, fingers crossed you, you pick up um, in the next few weeks and and, and this 3-5-2 starts coming you know, into its own or you change back to, to a formation, formation that you're more familiar with and start picking up points either way. I think, I um, think, um, I think, <clears throat> Afrantina, I think he said uh, we changed to a 4-2-3-1 last, at some point last season and we went 20 unbeaten. I think we we had the longest unbeaten streak in all of England at one point last season, and and he's come away from it. So it's just a bit yeah. head scratching, head scratching. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe he's seen something in training the players that you've potentially brought into this suit three at the back better. I'm not sure, but clearly something isn't right at Derby County at the moment. And hopefully they give Paul Warren the time to sort it out because I do believe he is the right man for the job. Another team that's struggling. Dawson made a real song and dance about Middle Middlesbrough's renaissance last season with his boy Michael Carrick in charge. Sam, they've had an absolute shocking start. Two games played, two games lost, zero goals scored. The only wow. team in the championship to not score a goal as of yet and four goals conceded. No points on the board, bottom of the league. It's a it's a real fall from grace so far for Middlesbrough uh, this season, Sam. No uh, no goals scored and they're very close to uh, losing uh, Tuba Akpom. Or has he already gone? He's gone. As he's gone, has he? Yes. Ajax, Ajax announced the signing of Tuba Akpom about an hour ago. Oh, wow. So quite recent then. Yeah, they're in trouble. I think Dawson did mention it. He said it, it was if we could have had a bold prediction in the championship, it would be to Middlesbrough to not make the playoffs. And it would purely down to the fact that how many players they've lost. Over the, over the summer and they just haven't simply replaced them. So I must admit, I've not kept an eye on Middlesbrough whatsoever. They're more Dawson's team than they were ours last season. So they've kind of gone under the radar for me. I wasn't really aware of the downfall until Dawson actually made that point. So yeah, it's a shame he's not with us tonight because he's probably gone, and gone into a bit more detail about that. But yeah, it's definitely down to the the players that they've sold and, uh, and, and not replaced. It's as simple as that. To be fair, I, I don't think he could could add much more to that. To be honest with you, like you say, they've lost a couple of players, they've not replaced. That's what happens in the championship. If you if you don't strengthen year on year, you're going to find yourself struggling, and that's uh, and that's where Middlesbrough are. Another team that seems to be struggling as well. Another team that we potentially picked to to get promoted, Stockport County. Another team that's that's struggling down the bottom end. Are we seeing anything to be concerned about with Derby, with Stockport, with Middlesbrough having really bad starts? Do you think they can come back into the promotion? chases that that we think that they are. I mean, Roy Keane famously took Sunderland from the bottom of the championship to the to the league, I think from Christmas onwards, I think it was. So uh, is the nature of today, 2023, you know, react to everything? Oh, kinda... God, of course it is. Of course yeah. it is. Knee-jerk reaction. Yeah. yeah, you know it is. Everything's going to get clickbaits in it. Oh, my God. They're, they're finished. Three games gone. Call it. The season's done already. No, not not at all. It's, it's a marathon and not a sprint, as they say. So, no, no real panic, panic mode. I, I probably hit the panic 
but and after probably 10 games if I don't really start seeing any improvement but now three games in it's it's been a really bad start for Derby make no mistake about it especially like you say the start at Stockport and Middlesbrough um, but yeah this, this if, if you're going to have a, a bad patch it's the start of the season you want it so yeah it, there's plenty of time to get that rectified I'm not worried yet yeah new additions like you say Derby County putting together basically a brand new team once again it's going to take a little bit of time for these players to gel so hopefully it all comes together um, and they start finding success segue again another team that's found success today Sam as we Fucking record well. Love it. The, Lion- the Lionesses are, are in Get the final in. Get of in. the Women's World Cup. They've done what the what the men's team haven't done since 1966, probably because they don't have a PE teacher in charge. They've got a very good, competent manager in, in Serena Wiegmann. Um, and uh, yeah, she's she's taken the Lionesses to the to the Women's World Cup final. Sam, I was unfortunately on the road today, so didn't see it. And I was going over the Peak District, actually. So the signal on TalkSport was sort of in and out as I was driving over. I heard someone score and then it went off and I was like, who scored? Who scored? <laughs> and yeah, it ended up being Australia that time. So I'm glad I missed it. But uh, yeah, two... Three one winners in the end. Um, did you see the game? And, and what are your thoughts? Yeah, I did, and it's, it, to be honest with you, mate. It, it, to be honest with you, mate, it's a shame you missed it because it was the goal of the game. <laughs> they were Sam Kerr, absolutely wonderful strike from about thirty yard out, lobbing, lobbing Mary Earp. So yeah, it were, it were a quality finish to make it one one at the time. Obviously, went on to win three one. Uh, and it were a really good game. I actually really enjoyed it. I know I did have a bit of tongue in cheek comment the other week saying we're not gonna not gonna be mentioning uh, anything to do with the women's world cup, but you can't not really when they've made it into a final. I mean, fair play to them. It's something, as you say, that the men haven't been able to do since '66. So yeah, I'm uh, thoroughly looking forward to watching the final. I did I did watch it all today, as I say. Uh, a lot, a lot, some really good goals. Um, Alicia Russo up top, who's uh, making a bit of a name for herself. She's uh, just got that knack of getting getting in the right place at the right time and that finish into the low far corner, almost carbon copy of the goal she scored in the in the quarterfinals. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's an exciting time. It's nice to see, uh, just scrolling through Facebook as as the game's gone on or the game's just finishing and you're seeing all the women posting that wouldn't normally have anything to do with football and saying, oh, come on, the Lionesses, come on, girls. And I thought, yeah, it's quite quite nice that they've they've got their own thing as well. So it has been uh, it has been quite nice to keep an eye on that, I must admit. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I was on the phone to my sister on the way home. Like I say, I was on the road um, coming back uh, from from something with work and uh, and she got it on while I was on the phone to her uh, and she was really enjoying it. So um, yeah, it's it's good to hear. It's good to see that, that there's a lot of good feeling around the English team at the moment. Um, do you think the women won the Euros a couple of years ago, I think it was now, and there was a real feel-good factor as to the Lionesses winning the Euros and it was fantastic. But then I think that died away pretty quickly. If England do go on to win the World Cup, and I'll ask you for your prediction in a second, do you think that that will be sustainable? Do you think that sort of wave of momentum will come through and you'll start really seeing an uptake in interest in women's football kind of at a club level from then? Or do you think it's one of them where every two years when a women's tournament comes around, everybody will go crazy, but then after that, nobody will be really that bothered. Do, do you think, which way do you do you see it going in terms of the popularity um, of the game? I think it's a, it's the long game, isn't it? I think it's it's the sort of thing that's not going to happen overnight in this country. I think that's that's the bottom line. You're getting your young girls now that are, that are finally getting eyes on it that would never get eyes on it in the past, and they're the ones that are going to grow up and 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 be you know a fan of women's football. So, I think the Euros win, obviously, like you say, it is it is going to die down pretty quickly. But if they do go on to win the World Cup, I I, I think it probably will be a similar vein. I think there'll be a month or so's real month, you know, really buzzing about women's football, and then it probably will will taper off slightly. But I think it's like like I say, it's the long game. I think this success now is planting the seeds for future people to keep get their eyes on it, and and they're essentially building the fan base, aren't they? It's like it's like take Man City fans. Man City had absolute zero fans before that takeover in in men's football, um, and and now they've started. <laughs> you play the face of that. I've upset some people. I'm, Controversial. I'm, I'm, talking, I'm talking globally. I'm talking globally. Yeah. We, yeah. yeah. Within the UK, obviously, they've got their own fan base. But globally, you know, China, Asia, all that, there was no City fans whatsoever. But now everyone's watching and be successful. These kids growing up, they're the, they're the team. They're the treble winners in their eyes. United are just some old fucking team that no one cares about history, you know, talking about history. Mm-hmm. So these are the current team and they're going to be the people that grow up and that's how it works. So this this current crop of youth watching this, uh, watching this football, I think they're the ones that are, that's going to really affect and it's going to grow from there. But yeah, it's, it's a long process, I think, something like this. 
Yeah, and it's ebbs and flows, you know, for us go at school. I don't know if you'll agree, but it was it was Chelsea, you know, a lot of the kids kids in my school coming in with Chelsea shirts. It's like you've probably never even been yeah. to London in your entire life, but because of the Mourinho effect and because they were winning trophies, you know, it, it happens. So fingers crossed, because you know, I, I very, very just quickly watched the highlights there. You weren't wrong about Sam Kerr's goal, fantastic finish. Um but but hopefully it can it can light a fire um, under a lot of young girls who are just getting into football um, and and make it continue and uh, it's, it's fact, good for the game. I'll tell you I'll tell you what I, I seen. So I was in the barbers last week when I got my hair cut, and I just looked over and I seen a, a, a family walk in. It were single looked like a single dad and he got about five kids with him. They'd all come to get their hair cut, and I just looked over and one of the young lads. It couldn't have been older than five or six. And he had the uh, the England the, the the England women's jersey. It was like the, the really really like pinkish orange one that they wore a couple of years back with the um, like iridescent badge. Um, it's the one that the men have never wore, but it's like quite iconic for the the England women's. And I, I seen him. It was it was a young lad wearing. It. I thought, you know what, you'd you'd never ever see that back in our day as a kids wearing the, wearing the women's football top. And 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 they were a young lad, like I say. So I, I thought that good on him, sort of thing. So yeah, I'm, I'm starting progress. to see things now. Yeah, progr- progress. Progress. That's, because uh, grassroots. When we were so- yeah, because when we were following, you know, England men's team in the 2000s and 2010s, even now, I didn't even know that England women had. Got a team. No. You know, that's it's crazy how much things have progressed in the last sort of 10 years and long may it continue. Uh, and I'm sure another person who's who's really, really happy with the progress they've made in the last few years or in the last few weeks, moreover, will be Anthony Joshua because he defeated um, Robert Hellenius in the seventh round by a KO. And Sam, I love it when Anthony Joshua fights or Tyson Fury fights because you, more often than not, have got your eyes on the product and you have watched the fight yourself. <laughs> I know you watched this fight. I know you were impressed with the knockout. Sam, AJ's back to winning ways and it looks like a potential showdown in Saudi with the with the bronze bomber. Just, just your thoughts on uh, AJ's performance. And uh, if you're watching this now, if you haven't already clicked on me, I've just switched to Kempi's Combat Corner with absolutely zero. It is time <laughs> for Kempi's Combat Corner. Yeah, you can tell that hosting duties aren't my main uh, my God main bless you. within God loaded bless sport. You. But yeah, welcome everybody to Kempi's Combat Corner, Sam. There we go. There we go. Yeah, um, what a knockout! But it. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I think the knockout saved him. Really, I think if it didn't knock him out, I think. There'd have been massive question marks. Um, still didn't quite look right. Still, still didn't move very well for me. Um, robotic, as you said, uh, gun shy. Finally, when he lets his hands go, he gets a knockout as easy as that. So there's definitely something worth worth thinking about for him. Um, Robert Alanius. People are going to say that he, you know, took it. What was it? Seven, six, six or seven rounds that he, he got knocked out. Seventh um, round. Se- seventh yeah. round. So people are going to say, oh well, Wilder only did it in one. He it, it, it set up that fight completely different to, to how, how he went in with Joshua. Joshua he went in. He were a little bit cautious, a little bit cagey. He just fought a week ago. So I think comparing the two fights to start with is a bit unfair. Um, but you know what? If I'm Joshua, I don't want anything to do with that Wilder Wilder fight. It, uh, it scares the life out of me. And you know what? I think he needs at least another fight before then, just as a bit of a, I want to say tune-up, but I guess that's what Robert Alanis was there for. But yeah, may- maybe this is uh, this is the product now. Maybe this is AJ and this is what we're looking at. And there isn't there isn't a, 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 a next gear. Um, but for me, that, that Wilder fight, as much as I can't wait for it and I, and I will be watching it, and I, you know, it's, it's going to happen at some point. It's going to be brilliant. It's going to be watching it through... Three rounds like that, like watching a car a car crash, because I can't see any other other results even after that of Joshua not, not getting knocked out. So I don't know what's your thoughts on the whole thing. And, surely, and the, but surely they're the best fights to watch, right? When you've got your head in your hands and you're worried and you're scared and you feel feel something about it. Now yeah, I've, I've always said that love love Conor McGregor or hate him, there was nothing like a McGregor fight feel because it was so important. While McGregor was fighting against uh, Eddie Alvarez, Jose Aldo, Nate Diaz, Nate Diaz too, you know, those, those are the most important things in the world happening at that point in time. And I feel like we'll probably get that same feeling when uh, Joshua fights Wilder because I'll be honest, I, I couldn't get up for this fight. 
if it was the Dillian White fight that, that was originally planned, although Dillian White got popped for, for taking an illegal substance or, or, or an irregularity was found in his VADA testing, um, I would have been very much up for that fight and looking forward to seeing what had happened there because there is bad blood between the two and and Wilder and, and Dillian White can really can knock. So, uh, yeah, it would have been an interesting prospect. But we didn't get that. We got the fight against Robert Hellenius. Like you say, a competent opponent came out against Deontay Wilder very, very differently as he did against Anthony Joshua. There's method in that madness, though, because when Tyson Fury pressed the action and, and backed Wilder up and, and, you know, put some pressure on him, he got him out of there in, um, in, in I think, I think it might have been seven rounds again and absolutely dominated him in the second fight between Fury and Wilder. So there was definitely method in, in Hellenius's madness. Unfortunately, Robert Hellenius is not Tyson Fury and he got knocked spark out, like you say, in the very first round. Um, I think it's unfair that people are making that comparison. You know, AJ was never going to be able to, unless he literally went in there like a bull in a china shop, he was never going to be able to do what Deontay Wilder did because he hasn't got that same explosiveness and and I don't think he's got that same power. Um, Joshua's performance, yes, it wasn't helped by Hellenius being a little bit, you know, standoffish and, and just kind of wanted to upset the party and maybe wanted to come on strong in the second half of the fight and didn't really give much. Joshua went through the gears. <clears throat> the first two or three rounds, I think, were very poor. I think he even lost the first round, but it is a feeling out process, you know, a late late notice opponent. There's very, very little preparation that they could have done for Hellenius. So I think in the first round, it is fair that Joshua was, was feeling him out. And even in the second round, feeling him out, kind of getting his timing, getting his range, seeing how far Hellenius was because you know, in sparring, Sam, he's, he's, he's been sparring, young, you know, smaller guys for in pre- preparation for Dillian White. And then last minute, Hellenius is in and, and now it's fucked up, you know, his reach and it's fucked up everything. So it's it's very, very different to what he's been preparing for. And he had to deal with that. And I think he did, dealt with that. OK, Um, he then started coming on a little bit stronger, throwing these combinations, a jab to the head, jab to the body and then, you know, an overhand um, when he could get it in. He was also throwing a, a short lead left hook, which wasn't really working. Hellenius wasn't in range for that. I think that might have been a, a shot that they were they were throwing that in preparation for Dillian White, you know, throwing that lead hook, that check hook straight away, you know, kind of trying to catch Dillian on his way in. I think that would have worked against the Dillian White, but against a Robert Hellenius, like I say, it didn't work. And I think a lot of that might have been muscle memory on AJ's part, you know, He's been doing this for eight weeks. He's been throwing this lead hook for eight weeks or 12 weeks or however long his training camp is. And now for so, all, all of a sudden, it's not working. The reason it's not working, she's got a tall, rangy guy rather than a short, stocky guy. So there were things like that that didn't quite come into, into play as, as they probably thought they would. But do you know what, Sam? I did see a positive, and I saw the positive in the relationship between uh, Derek James and Anthony Joshua. I think in the last fight against Jermaine Franklin, I thought he was gunshy. I thought he was poor. I thought it was a really, really bad performance himself. And you know, despite what some of our friends might say, you know, Tina more than anything else, um, even Anthony Joshua said that performance was shit. And I think you know the vast majority of people will agree. But after a few questionable rounds in this fight. He came on strong. He started throwing good combinations. He, he was getting his body into decent positions, but wasn't getting his feet there. And that's why he wasn't making contact. In the seventh round, though, footwork was better, getting himself in range, and he landed that overhand right and knocked Robert Hellenius spark out in that seventh round. So overall, I don't think it was a, a bad performance from AJ. It wasn't a great performance from AJ. I'd probably give him a six, six out of ten. Um, it was a fantastic knockout. But like you say, Sam, I completely agree with you. I'm pretty scared for him going in there with Deontay Wilder because that robotic style, that move forward and back, you know, I think AJ's made for Deontay Wilder and I always have. Even when he was at the peak of his powers, I feel like AJ's kind of made for Deontay Wilder to go in there, be a little bit reckless, not worry about something coming back in return because like you say, AJ's a little bit gunshy at the minute and get him out there very, very quickly. So it's difficult. I know you mentioned there that that you would like to see AJ have another fight before he goes in with Wilder. I would also like to see that, but will that happen? Or do you think next is going to be Wilder in Saudi Arabia and a very, very risky fight and a risky prospect for AJ in that respect? Listen, I'll completely get up trying to uh, trying to predict um, if an heavyweight bout is going to go ahead. So I'm not going to say, no, I think that will be the next fight because, as you know, when it comes to that heavyweight division... Anyone can fight anybody and nobody can fight nobody. So, um, yeah, whether it's going to be his next fight or not, we don't know. It sounds like both parties won it. We're rearing all the right signs, but we've heard it before. 
So it looks like if it does happen, it'll probably be around January time. I know they've they've mentioned recently again about getting it on the same card as uh, as Usyk Fiore, but that, I can't see that happening at all. I think that's that's a pipe dream, a fairy tale that that would never happen. Um, so yeah, whether or not he can squeeze another fight in, I'm not sure. Um, I think he needs it. Whether it happens, I don't know. It's going to be a good fight, and I can't wait for it to do to happen. It is. Hopefully it does happen, like you say. Um, I think, personally, there's been mixed messaging. Uh, AJ in the in the ring after the fight said he, he would like another couple of fights this year. If the Wilder fight happens, that's not going to happen. And then you've got Eddie Hearn backstage saying that he wants to fight Wilder in January, beat Wilder, and then go fight Fury for all the belts. So there is a little bit of mixed messaging. Is it AJ in the ring after the fight saying what people maybe wanted to hear rather than what he believed? I, I don't know, but... An okay performance all around from AJ and, and hopefully they can get that Deontay Wilder fight over the line, whether it's his next fight or the fight after that, because that is the one that we would all, I'm sure, like to see. Another thing I am really looking forward to seeing is UFC 292. It's taking place this weekend. It's Sugar Sean O'Malley versus the reigning defending undisputed um, UFC bantamweight champion of the Champion of the world, um, Aljamain, the funk master, Sterling. Um, as I say, bantamweight title, Boston Garden, USA, three o'clock in the morning. Uh, it's going to be a long one. It's going to be a busy one. I'm not sure I'm going to stay up for it. I'll probably wake up for it, but we've got a decent undercard as well. We've got Zhang Wei Li against Amanda Lemos for the women's strawweight title. Uh, Zhang Wei Li, a massive, massive favourite. I don't even think they're taking bets on that fight. That's how much of a big favourite she is. But we've seen what happens in those divisions with and uh, with Valentina Shevchenko losing her belt very, very recently as well. Neil Magny taking it, taking on Ian Machado Gary from Ireland. Conor McGregor wannabe in a lot of people's eyes um, and he's taking a, a big step up to fight the, the gatekeeper of the welterweight 170 pound division Neil Magny um, on the card as well uh, you've got Damon Blackshear against Mario Bautista and Marlon Chito Vera against Pedro Munoz to open up the card with Weidman versus Brad Tavares Chris Weidman versus Brad Tavares uh, headlining the prelims at the Boston Garden. So it's going to be a really, really interesting night of fights. As I say, Funkmaster against Sugar in the main event for the Bantamweight title. Um, Sugar Sean O'Malley coming off a very, very controversial victory against Peter Yan and Aljamain Sterling coming coming off a, a really good couple of victories, um, including uh, TJ Dillashaw um, and Henry Cejudo, to name a couple, two former champions in their own right. I think Aljamain Sterling really coming into his own with the Bantamweight title around his shoulder and it's going to take something special for Sean O'Malley to take that off him. I think Sean O'Malley made a really good point in his, his pre-fight interview so far this week on Fight Week. If he can keep the fight standing, he knows he can find Aljamain Sterling's chin. And if he can find his chin, he can knock him out, which I agree with. But I'm not quite sure it will go that far. I think Aljamain Sterling will potentially take Sean O'Malley down. And I think Aljamain Sterling will retain and take his bantamweight title back to New York City. Thus concludes Kempi's Combat Corner. Um, and we're going to finish the episode on something that we've been kind of sprinkling in here and there, Sam, over the past few weeks. And that is the return or the impending return um, of the National Football League. I got up this morning for the first time in a long time and, and the sky wasn't 100% bright. There was a little bit of murkiness in the sky in the evening. It would still look like evening, even though it was early in the morning. Um, and that would indicate the beginning of autumn and we're coming towards the end of summer, which means the NFL is potentially going to return. We know it's going to return. And we're, we're, what are definitely going to return alongside that is the pre preview show from Loaded Sport. So, Sam, we've got the preview show coming up in, uh, in 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 a couple of weeks' time. Any thoughts on Green Bay's preseason so far? I know there were some preseason games coming up, coming across to us uh, last weekend or the weekend just gone. Uh, I saw some some bright flashes from Love at the quarterback position for yourself. Um, early early days, I know that, but but what sort of vibes are you picking out of training camp and, and preseason at this moment in time from the Green Bay Packers? Yeah, both are both the quarterbacks were showing a lot of bright spots in the the opening game against the Cincinnati Bengals, which which we won. Like, it doesn't really mean anything preseason, but it's just nice to see these rookies and youngsters, you know, see what we've got. I think it's more important than ever the, these Jordan Love snaps in preseason. Um, and yeah, by, by all means, he threw a nice touchdown pass to Romeo Dubs, who who's been unbelievable again this preseason. I'm expecting big things from him this year, uh, and then. Uh, I don't want to say Clifton or is it Clifford? I'm not sure which one it is. Our our backup QB um, threw two interceptions. One was a pick six, but 
it's the, the sort of things you expect. His very first NFL game, very first taste of action. But what I did like to see from him it was his release, and in his arm looked unbelievable. His, his release was similar to Rogers on, on the snap that he puts on the ball, and and how fast he gets it out. So yeah, it's um, it's nice to know that that we could potentially have a capable backup should the, should things not work out with Love. But I will say, <clears throat> the more I am seeing from Jordan Love, the more I'm, I'm quietly optimistic about this upcoming season. Um, I do have a bold prediction um, in mind, which I am going to hashtag save it for um, save it, save for the it. NFL preview show that we're going to be releasing soon. Um, but it does involve that area, um, that that um, that geography in the NFL. So yeah, uh, I'm quietly confident. I'm, I'm liking what I've seen. He's making some big time throws. His decision making has been slightly questionable. It can, and it's prone to the slight overthrow from from time to time. But when when he when he can put it on the money, he really can do that. And he's and he's got a, a fucking brilliant arm, to be fair. And and it's nice to have a bit of a quarterback with a bit more of athleticism than we had with a a 38 year old Aaron Rodgers. So. Yeah, it's um, it's it's nice it's nice to see um, a new style of of offense for Matt Lafleur to run. Um, there was a lot of dispute whether was it Rogers' offense or Lafleur's offense, and apparently every time Lafleur was calling a play, Roger didn't Rogers didn't like. He was audible audible it at the line of scrimmage, which fair enough is is ain't the right to do that. But you're not seeing the true coach's offense. So uh, yeah, it's it's exciting times I think for Green Bay. Um, once we get this season out of the way and Rogers' contract off our books, we're going to have a lot of money to spend on whether it be defense or offense. And mm-hmm. and yeah, it's uh, I think it's exciting times. It's like it feels like a new chapter in Green Bay. The one thing I don't like that I will say is that we we haven't picked up Mason Crosby again for the kicker. Absolute Packers legend, Packers all time leading scorer. Um, he has lost all the power. I must admit in in his leg, which is definitely the reason why we haven't re-signed him. Um, it, whenever we we're doing a kickoff, it never went for a touchback. They were always landing about on the on the ten yard line, and they were susceptible to being returned. So I get why they've done it, but the new kicker we've got just ugh, is is not filling me with confidence as these rookie kickers can can sometimes do. So yeah, um, a lot to be positive about. But as always, there's there's a couple of things that I do wish we'd have gone gone about it a different way. Yeah, I'm sure you? NFL. Yeah, I'm sure NFL fans all over the world all <clears throat> echo your sentiments, no matter which team they follow and which team they support. Um, I don't think the uh, the, the two interceptions for Sean Clifford is the name. Um, I, I don't think they tell the full story. Twenty twenty out of his twenty six passes completed, two hundred eight yards and a touchdown. Yes, yeah. there were a couple of interceptions, but you know what? For a rookie rookie player in his first ever NFL game, whether it's preseason or not. I think that's a pretty decent return. So, like you Agreed. said, fingers crossed for the uh, for the for the Packers. They've got a decent option as number one and a decent option as number two. Fingers crossed for them. Uh, we've got the Giants against the Lions, sixteen to the Giants, twenty-one Lions. Uh, Texans beat the Patriots, twenty to nine. Uh, Seahawks beating the Vikings, twenty-four thirteen. Steelers twenty-seven. Buccaneers seventeen. Packers thirty-six. Bengals nineteen. As you say. Falcons 19, Dolphins 3, Commanders 17, Browns 5, Broncos 17, Cardinals 18 in a very close preseason game. Titans, Bears with 17 Titans and the Bears 23. Colts 19, Bills 23, Jets 27, Panthers 0. A complete shutout in preseason there. Not looking good for the for the Carolina Panthers, but looking very good for Aaron Rodgers' New York Jets, even though I don't think he saw many snaps. Jaguars 28, Cowboys 23, Eagles 19, Ravens 28, Chargers 34, Rams 17, Chiefs 24, Saints 26, and 49ers 7, Raiders 34. None of that means a fucking bean. <laughs> Having said that, it's interesting and it's important to see what your team's doing pre-season, see what your rookies are looking like. Players that might be on the cusp of the cut, it's nice to see how they're getting on and see if they can kind of make the cut in the end. Um, but but yeah, there's not too much to look at, especially when it comes to New York Giants, who Daniel Jones had one snap. And nice. guess what? He didn't complete it, which is which goes well. <laughs> so, uh, so he didn't he didn't complete the pass there. But uh, Tyrod Taylor getting a few snaps there. He got uh, three completions out of four attempts and seven yards. But Tommy DeVito sounding like he's coming straight out of a nice. Scarface movie. Um, got got the vast majority of the snaps for the New York Giants. So fingers crossed we can get a couple of rookies, uh, a couple of uh, unheard of under the radar players, and get them into our roster for this season. So it's going to be really interesting to see. How the teams get on in preseason week two, as Sam said there, and as I've just mentioned, 
wins and losses really, really don't matter in pre-season. It's all about the performance of your rookies and your players that are kind of on the fringes of the team. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they go. Sam, unless there's anything else from you, that concludes episode 63 of Loaded Sport. Anything else from you on the Packers or anything on Derby County before we finish off? Because I know it's just so positive in your world at the moment. <laughs> no, that's uh, that's it from me. I've uh, I've heard everything off my chest. I feel better for it. Coming up to the weekend, um, probably probably for the best that I did uh, get that off my chest. Yeah, um, look Good. forward to the weekend, mate. Do you have uh, any plans at all? Yeah, so as I say, I'm going to the Sheffield United game away at Nottingham Forest on Friday night. And then Saturday morning, I'll be playing golf. I'll be getting back, doing a couple of chores and then be settling in for Saturday afternoon where there's a bumper day of football in store for us, as you've already mentioned. Uh, Sunday, I'll be seeing family, going to go and see my nephew. Um, and that's about it. Sam, what about you? Saturday, me and Katie will be going out for a meal at 7pm, so I will be missing the good chunk of the oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. We'll be missing. I will be missing a good chunk, probably all of the uh, the Man City Newcastle game, which is unfortunate. But hey, I get to have a lovely meal with my my lovely lady. Um, I will definitely be watching the United game beforehand. I think that'll be a belter. Um, just make sure that on Friday night when you go to the city ground, just make sure one important rule: make sure you wipe your feet on the way out. I certainly will. And if I can find a parking space, I'll uh, I'll make sure that I do that. But the minute I'm scratching around at the minute trying to find out where to to, to ditch my car uh, as I as I make my way towards the city ground. But we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Um, and I'm sure I will break it down on next next week's edition, episode 64 of Loaded Sport. But before we go. I'm going to try the socials. It doesn't go very oh, well. Oh, he's going for it. it but he's I'm going, going to give it. it a go. So, TikTok I'll start with, and that's easy. Uh, I say it's easy, but I'll probably mess it up. But we'll uh, we'll see what we can do. I think on TikTok it is just Loaded Sport. So you'll see us on TikTok there. Please give us a like. Please give us a follow. Uh, I'm not a massive, massive TikTok fan myself, but I'm sure anybody that uses TikTok out there, please, please do subscribe because clips from the episodes of the podcast are uploaded to TikTok. We've then got Instagram, which is loaded underscore sport. Uh, X, which is Twitter to, to the old people uh, among us, um, at Loaded Sport. And on Facebook, we are Loaded Sport. If you also have Discord as well, please, please message us on Twitter, Instagram, wherever you want to message us and ask to be added to the Discord chat because that's where we talk all subjects, all sports. Loaded Sport is Loaded Sport for a reason. We like to cover as many bases as we possibly can and we do so on our Discord chat. I think that's everything. Housekeeping done, episode done. Derby crying, Sam crying about Derby done. Me crying about everything Sheffield United and actually everything NFL related uh, didn't happen just yet, but I'm sure we'll cover that in uh, in the preseason show in a couple of weeks' time. But thank you again for joining us on what has been a, an episode where we're very thin on the ground. We do appreciate the support. Like, subscribe, comment. Do everything you possibly can to grow the channel because we're really, really enjoying doing what we're doing um, and we'd like to do it for a long time to come. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll speak to you soon. Good night.